rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is sealed in His name. I believe. I believe. Now raise the banner. My Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is sealed in His name. I believe. I believe. And I'll raise the band.
say thank you today. We thank you that uh, you are enough. You're more than enough. And God, we thank you that you uh, satisfy every desire. You meet every need. You are enough. And we recognize you today in your greatness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you. You look great. You smell great. You know, everything about you is great today. We're glad to have you. And did you know it is clinically proven that more friendly people, people that are more friendly, are taller. So if you've ever wanted to be taller, be friendly this morning and you will grow. It's just, it's a clinical fact. 
And uh, just remember that as we take some time and greet each other this morning. God bless you. That's right. You are welcome. Whether you've been here for 20 years or this is your first Sunday with us, welcome to Praise Assembly. And uh, hey, if you are our guest today, if you're here, if it's your first time, maybe it's even your second or third time, but you've never filled out a guest card. I've got some, something special. We have something special for you. If you've never filled one of these out, okay, and I'm not talking about, if you've been here 10 years and you haven't filled one out, I can't help that, okay? But if, if this is your first time here or it's your first couple or few times you've never filled one out, if you do that today and if you bring this, this is just for today only, if you bring this to the guest services table out in the back, uh, the desk, uh, we have a bag of our Easter candy especially made for you. For those today that fill this out, not only are you going to get a great mug and you're going to get a couple gifts, a pen and, and, and all that good stuff, you're going to get a, a tastefully put together bag of candy. Do that today. Again, today only. Make sure you take care of that at the conclusion of our worship service. Ushers, thank you for your ministry to us as you come and as we continue to worship and giving. Lord, we honor you today and we thank you for the very tangible, the very real, the very practical aspect of worship called giving. And Lord, thank you that we get to give and worship you this way today. I pray a blessing over this offering, God. Let it just come from hearts that are grateful and hearts that are full uh, of, uh, of worship to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. a video I'd like to show uh, about our coming summer VBS. So let's take a moment and let's check out this video today. Five, 
four, three, two, one. Switching command to internal. Engines off. Opening main door. is coming up. I believe it's going to be the last full week in June, and uh, that's going to be a great a great week. If you've got neighbors, let them know. Uh, again, information will be coming out. You can give to them, but that is coming up this June. We have a lot of different things going on. Uh, the, our Revelation series about the seven churches of Revelation begins today with Pastor Brennan. He's going to be uh, ministering to us in the Word of God on the book of Ephesians, uh, not on the book of on the church of uh, Ephesus. The Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. I'll get it out at some point. Um, and then uh, we've already begun. We're in our third or fourth week of the uh, study of the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter. That's happening down in the chapel every Wednesday night. We have our Easter egg hunt for the young ones coming up April 8th uh, at 9 a.m. here at Praise. So again, it'll be this coming Saturday if you have uh, young kids or young kids from your neighborhood or uh, maybe people you work with have younger kids, bring them on out for the 8th. And Linda Mon and her team has put together a really great uh, morning that day. Um, as you could tell when you came in, our, our cart and our uh, totes are getting filled um, as, as we're partnering up with a, with a, a local organization here. Uh, with Christelle and Rodney uh, putting this together, uh, bringing in pajamas. So I, I've seen I've seen it this morning. People just dumping things in. If you have non-pajama items, as totes next to it, you can put your things down there. Thank you so much for being a part of that. We really really appreciate that. And then uh, we have on the 16th, two weeks from today, three weeks from today rather, three weeks from today, we have uh, Rudy and Sharon Swanepoel. How many have have experienced the ministry of Rudy and Sharon Swanepoel? They're going to be here in a few weeks. And so just prepare your hearts for that time. And then uh, as, as far as Praise Youth, uh, for our youth ministry, we've got this Friday night is our fifth Friday. And on fifth Friday, we always do something different. And this fifth Friday, we're going to be doing a night of worship and prayer, followed by some pizza. Because again, uh, it just it caps it off. You have time with God and then pizza, and it just makes it work. I don't know, there's something about it, something wonderful, magical about it. We're going to be having time of prayer and then followed by pizza. And then next Sunday, we're going to be delivering our Easter candy. So if you've already placed your order, 
Uh, orders are closed at this point. I mean, if you have a if you have an order still, you can come see me. We'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll we'll figure something out. But uh, that'll be delivered next Sunday morning. And next Sunday morning is actually National Youth Day, and you'll be able, you'll be able to experience some ministry from our students. It's going to be a great day. And the last announcement is actually another video. It's a Convoy of Hope uh, video. We have in uh, in two weeks. In two weeks, we're taking our one day to feed the world offering. And uh, this is a, a video that's going to be talking about that. At the conclusion of this video, Pastor Brandon is going to come, come and speak uh, from the book of Revelation this morning. But let's check out this One Day to Feed the World convoy video. lazima niende nikatembeza mandazi nikitoka huko niende nikafue kwa hiyo muda wangu ulikuwa mchache nikasema kuliko nikae nyumbani na nilikuwa nikitembea naye na choka kipato kilikuwa kidogo saa nyingine ilibidi siku nyingine tulale na njaa alikuwa anapata kidogo lakini alikuwa na riziki nacho kwa sababu junior na junior alikuwa akiniona nikiwaza ananiambia mama usiwazi Maandazi kama yapo tutakunywa na chai tutalala kesho tutapata ila tutanunua mboga tutapika umeanza Nilifurahi sana nikamwambia Mungu kumbe unatujua Na sio mimi peke yangu hata wazazi wengine mtaani unasikia wanafurahi wanasema mimi naondoka nikienda kwenye shughuli zangu moja kwa moja maana wakirudi wameshiba wananiambia mama usihangaike walitufundisha namna ya kufanya biashara na mbinu za kufanya biashara hata sehemu ambapo mnafanya biashara ya aina moja walitufundisha jinsi ya kufanya kazi na kujali familia alafu walitufundisha jinsi ya kubudget nilipopata semina ile kwa kweli nilifundisha mengi sana ambapo mpaka leo hii nimeweza kufanya kusimama na biashara. Nilifungua kwa woga woga nikawa sijaaminiamini. Hadi nilipoendelea kufanya biashara, kufanya biashara nikaona mbona kama naweza. Lakini namshukuru Mungu kwa sasa hatuwezi kulalia bandazi, tunapika ugali. Shirika la kuku iliyopo aliwaniwezesha niliweza kupata pesa kumulia viatu vya shule mahitaji yake kwa kweli namshukuru Mungu ayanipi kuumiza tena kichwa Nilifurahi kufanya hivyo kwa sababu nikiangalia mapito ya maisha yangu niliyopitia sikutamani kuona hata mmoja akiwa analia juu ya maisha kwa kweli mimi nashukuru sana kwa sababu baada ya shirika la Comfort Group kuniwezesha naamini akiweza kufanya hivyo tutaweza kusaidiana kweli kina mama maana asilimia kubwa sometimes kina mama wanakeseka wa mama pia kupitia shirika la Comfort Hope wanaweza kujiona kwamba wanaweza kufanya kazi na ile kazi ikaonekana kwenye jamii kweli hata mimi mwenyewe namshukuru Mungu pia kwa upande wangu kwa sababu nikimwangalia Junior nafurahi lakini shirika la Comfort Hope lilirudishia matumaini kwamba ninaweza Convoy of Hope is a great ministry, and we thank you every year, year after year, uh, for your giving. Um, I, I know, I understand 
we understand for ourselves it's a sacrifice, but to be able to feed those that cannot eat is, is a great ministry. So be in prayer, prayer about that. Be saving now so on that day you can go ahead and give. Uh, today I'm, I'm privileged, uh, I think I'm privileged to start off our series. The pastor actually started it off last week in Revelation 1, but we are going to be looking at the seven churches, and I know you've probably... <clears throat> read some of these things before, or if you, you've heard stories about it, you may even have heard a series on this before. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we're going through the entire book of Revelation, and that also starts with these seven churches. So if you've been in those, Pastor has been talking about uh, many of these things already. Uh, my sermon today, I'd like to, and this comes directly from the verses in, in Revelation 2, I would like to title it, Remember, Repent, and return. And you'll see exactly why we say that or why I say that. Uh, we read that directly this morning. But if you're not familiar, Pastor Andrew, you scared me. You said I was speaking on Ephesians. I was like, I hope I'm not. <laughs> that would have been a mess this morning. I'm speaking on the city of Ephesus. And if you're familiar with that, if you're not, it is uh, in what today is known as Turkey. A lot of these churches are in what is known as Turkey today. Uh, but Ephesus was, uh, uh, it was known for its, its uh, commercial activity. It had, a, it had a wonderful harbor where ships could come in and they could trade and they would, they would bring several items. And uh, it, it, it just brought great wealth through the trade to that city. Uh, and it was known to be a great thoroughfare. Tourism, uh, as you'll see in a moment here, uh, it, it was home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Okay, and that was known as the Temple of Artemis. Uh, Artemis was also known as Diana, uh, if, if you've ever heard of that before. But this temple brought several uh, visitors. As you can imagine today, uh, if you see Jerusalem today, Christians, Jews alike, all travel to go see that great city because of its rich history. Well, at the same time, Many pagans were coming to show their support and, and their worship of Artemis at this temple. Uh, but it also, in, in bringing in uh, visitors, as you know, it brought also great uh, wealth to the city because there were many uh, blacksmiths who were making silver shrines and, and necklaces and different things all in the name of Artemis. And people came and supported that and, and built it up. Uh, Artemis was known as a fertility goddess. And so, you, as you can imagine, there was sexual immorality going on there. Um, and it, during these festivals, it said that thousands would come. Thousands would come to come uh, have this festival all in the name of Artemis. And as you can imagine, hundreds of priestesses at this temple were made available. And that, you can just kind of let your imagination run wild. Ephesus, as, as built up as it was, as wealthy as it was, was a wicked city. It, it was all in idol worship and practices. And this is where we find Paul. And you can imagine, what a better place to start a church than in a, a place like Ephesus. And we read, uh, we're not going to read all of this today, but in, Paul, in, in Acts 18, we see that Paul has planted this church. He has gone and, and uh, he, he started the work. He, he had many, if you know of Paul's companions, he had several uh, but in this instance, he left, you'll know the name Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife team. He left them as, as he would depart. He left them in charge of watching over the work. And as they were there, 
Also, here's another name you know, Apollos came. And he was well-scripted, well-versed in, in, in the scriptures and came and taught uh, the Jews there. But what you have to understand is at this time, these are first century believers. The gospel, the, 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 the nature of it and the truth of it was, was very well known, but it was a fluid situation. There were things Apollos didn't know about that Priscilla and Aquila had to point out to him. And matter of fact, he was only baptizing people in uh, John the Baptist's baptism, which was for repentance. But we know that there was one to come and Jesus was baptized in water in the name of Jesus and ultimately baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Apollos had to be taught these things and they continued on. So Paul... Uh, one, does, his plan is to get back to Ephesus. He wants to go back. He wants to teach. And God did amazing things in that church. Now, I, I want to point out to you this morning that as we say church, we know this is a church here today. But the church is really the called out ones. The church is you and is me. It's individuals. So whatever came of this church was the, the combination of all of these people and really what they were sharing in and, and what, what, what was said about them, I often think what would be said about our church this morning. And, and you'll see as we go through this. But Paul returns to the city finally and he finds some disciples and he asks them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Now imagine this. And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul prays for them. He lays hands on them and they are filled, speaking in other tongues right then. Paul laid an unbelievable foundation for this church. He spent uh, in upwards of two to three years there preaching and teaching in the synagogues, trying to reach uh, the Jews that were there and other believers, Gentiles as well. And God, if you know these stories in, in Acts 19, God has given Paul tremendous gifting ability, supernatural abilities. If you've never heard this, it is said that handkerchiefs or aprons that even touched Paul, even touched his skin, were taken to those that were sick and they were healed just by the touch of that handkerchief or apron. Now we know that wasn't Paul, but that was the power of God through Paul. This church also, over its, over its existence, again, these names, had Timothy as their pastor had John himself, who was writing these letters as the pastor at one point, Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila. It was, it was unbelievable time. And as you can imagine, as, the cur as that church grew in this pagan city, the pagan city wasn't too happy. It is talked about in Acts 19 that there was a riot that was born out of, now imagine this, this is, this is a move of God. And this is, if you've ever been part of something like that, I know Jesus' revolution is very big right now, and, and when you see the things that happen through that, lives are changed, completely changed. And so in Acts 19, we read about, I, I believe his name was Demetrius. He was the head blacksmith, and they're losing business because people are coming to the knowledge of Jesus and they're no longer buying these shrines to Artemis. And the blacksmiths are not happy about losing their business. Demetrius was over all of them. And, uh, and he begins to form a coalition and said, this isn't right. And they, they went and they just flooded the area. And they were chanting, you know, praise be to 
to Artemis and all of these things. And Paul wanted to go and attend there. And they said, Paul, don't go. You know, they're looking for um, who knows what will happen if you go in there. But they are not happy. It is even said, again, God is doing all of these things. He's healing people just through the touch of these handkerchiefs. People are coming to knowledge of him. It is even said that uh, those that were practicing, pra practicing sorcery and magic came and burnt the books that they learned this stuff from. They burnt them. Have you heard of that before? I mean, big time, people will burn books and all of these things. That is when God is moving. And I pray for a time like that. You know, revival is for believers in the church, but a move of God changes people to where they can't go back to what they were doing before. These blacksmiths weren't able to go back and build these shrines to a, a false god when they knew the almighty God. And as you can imagine, in a, an environment like this, it was hostile towards Christians, you, as you can understand that. But through it all, the believers in Ephesus were commended for their faithfulness, for their perseverance, and this did not go unnoticed by God. And as we read this first letter that John writes to the church in Ephesus, we're going to read, I'm going to break it up in portions just so we can focus on that for a minute. But as Pastor said last week, on the island of Patmos, and the Lord, you saw the image of the Lord coming to him and, and his description of, of what he saw. And Jesus tells him, write these words. So I'm going to pick up in Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And I'm actually just going to read the first three verses to begin. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who stands with, holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands say this, I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. Father, thank you for these words. Father, I, I thank you that not only did they speak to those churches as his, he wrote these letters, these are written for us today. And God, I pray that you would Allow me the opportunity to draw that coalition, Lord, and that we would see for ourselves, God, that we need to know if we're in right standing with you this morning. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Who wouldn't want to hear such commendable things? Who doesn't like to be told at work, you're doing a great job? We all love that. We all uh, pride ourselves sometimes in that, and we can even become swelled heads at hearing such commendable things said about us, let alone this is coming from Jesus himself to this church. He's recognizing, he's saying, you are doing a great job. Your perseverance, you're not giving up. You see and you, you, you call out somebody that is coming under false pretense and you prove them wrong and you send them away. They are doing a great job and he knows that it is a hostile environment they find themselves in, but they have not given up. And who wouldn't love that to be said about them? Now listen, we know this morning that we're not saved by our works. You understand that this morning. Uh, we are saved by God's grace alone. But here we see that even Jesus is recognizing it. 
And as all believers, we should be motivated, of course, for good works. We read in James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So we should want this out of love for the Lord to be doing these things. Rather than, you've heard this many times in the scripture, rather than hearing the word, we're actually doing the word. We're acting it out. We're, we're putting it uh, behind our steps and we're, we're moving in it. But even with all of these accolades and all of these good deeds, their hard work, their patient endurance, they can't, can't tolerate evil people, patiently suffered, refusal to quit, Jesus says this in Revelation 2.4, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Now, what just happened? What just happened? Because they're reading all of these commendable things about them, and it moves into, I have this against you. How does that happen? How, how do we not recognize? I wonder this many times. How many of us don't love to hear the good things about us? Sometimes those good things are going to be followed by but, you know, or, or something that needs to be pointed out. And I, I've heard this before, for every 10 good, uh, you know, for every bad thing, you should have 10 good things to say first. Um, I, I don't think Jesus is purposely trying to sugarcoat just to get to the negative, they are to be commended. They're doing great work. They're doing great evangelistic work in a hostile environment. But Jesus says you've lost your first love. Now, many times we view ourselves from our good deeds. Again, we can, we can come, become even prideful in them, knowing that we, you know, we're not a bad person. We don't do bad things to, to people. You know, I, I try to do good. None of us likes to think that we're doing something displeasing, let alone displeasing to God. Have you ever sat in a job interview? It's the toughest part of it. Tell me your strengths and weaknesses. It's like, oh my goodness. You feel like you're getting, you know, you're full of yourself if you give them too many strengths. And then the weaknesses, it's like, well, I don't really have any, you know. You, you certainly do. You know, just two weeks ago, I, I think I watched the opening monologue, and that was about it. The, the Academy Awards were, were on display. And these people were recognized for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor. And the truth is, these Ephesians were good actors. And many times, if we're not careful, we can become good actors. We can be doing the things of God and we become so focused on working and doing those things when we're neglecting God himself. And this church, and many times, if we're not careful, they became careless as a church, and they became careless as believers. And you may have said this, uh, heard this said, I, I know pastors mentioned it, they were in love with the work of the Lord instead of being in love with the Lord of the work. Now, something I want to point out to you today is the verse says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Have you ever heard it misquoted this way? Because I have. It says, Jesus is telling them you have lost your first love. But that's not the case. You won't find that in any translation. You will find abandon, you left, you don't love me like you used to. It is in that context. And I want to tell you, to leave something and to lose something 
are two very different things. Now, have you ever lost something? We all have. Car keys, your, your cell phone. Uh, whose house doesn't have that thing going off? Beep, 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 because somebody's searching from their watch for where they left their phone. We've all done it. Uh, important documents. Um, you know, they, they actually, Apple makes, and everybody makes these air tags because they know you're going to lose something. So you put this air tag on your keys. So don't lose your phone because that's where it's telling you where the item is lost. Um, but again, we have all of these ways. Find my friends, track my kids, because I do that all the time. There should be a separate app. Find my friends, track my kids, um, because I do that very much. Lost means you have no idea where it is. You know you put it down, it was on the hood of your car, you know you had it somewhere, and now it is just gone. It fell out of your pocket, you know, you, you simply misplaced it, and all your effort leads to, it's gone. You don't know where you left it, you try to retrace your steps, it's gone. The point I'm trying to make is, you didn't do it on purpose, you didn't put your keys somewhere hoping you're going to lose them one time, you know, and you're not going to remember. It's done just through lapse in memory. It's done by accident. It's lost. But to leave something... Did this mic just go out? Yes? No? It's back? It's back? Okay. I almost lost my voice. I'm kidding. <laughs> to leave something is to abandon it and to walk away from it. To turn your back on it, to leave something is intentional. And not, you know, sometimes we do do that by mistake. We leave something behind. I remember, maybe parents can attest to this, as a pastor's family, we can attest to this, that we went home one night and a board member called and said, uh, I think you left something, my younger brother sleeping in a pew at church. And we made it all the way back. I don't know how that happens, you know, but it happens, you know. You, I thought you had them. I thought you had them. Needless to say. And I still, to this day, haven't figured out, did we lose them? Did we leave them? Was it on purpose? Was it not on purpose? I still, I don't know. These Ephesians, after all they had seen, all they had seen and all they had done, Hear this say, you have left your first love, meaning they have turned their backs, they've abandoned their love for God. And I don't know how that happens, but it happens. Again, if we were talking about trivial things in our life, you know, uh, losing something, it happens. Leaving something, again, and, and I would only, I, I'm not a marriage counselor, I don't pretend to know everything about marriage, but I feel like marriage is a great example to us when we look at this type of thing. And having had one daughter just recently married and having another daughter about to be married, it's so beautiful right now. <laughs> Love is in the air. The honeymoon phase is still ha hopefully happening. And, and I think, just wait, just wait, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I love being married. Uh, Lynn and I really do get along very well, very well. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just, we get along well, that's all I'm saying. That's... But how many of you know marriage is hard work? It's hard work. So much so, and I'm not stepping on toes this morning, some of you have failed at it. Maybe more than once. I don't know everybody's situation, but some of you have failed at it. And that's not to say I got it all figured out, because I don't. But you know that marriage, it takes two people to sacrifice for one another. When you add kids to that mix, now you're the last one. You know, again, I drive the beater car. I, you know, I don't buy name brand stuff. Not that they need to have that, but I want to always make sure they don't have, I, I know I'm ridiculed for this. It's like, no, give them the junker. No, I don't, I want them to be safe on the road, have good tires, all of those things. But it takes on a parent, uh, on a couple's, uh, it, it takes a conscious effort for a husband and wife to work through their differences and to think of each other every day and on and on and all those things that it requires. But it requires you both to demonstrate your love and devotion to one another. And maybe, again, maybe you're dealing with something right now in your marriage. I, again, I'm not, I'm not going off of anything I just recently heard and I'm going to speak about it. It's not that at all. But what I will tell you is this, is that maybe this has been your experience, maybe this is currently being done in your marriage and you're realizing it, you know that it, it didn't just, you didn't just fall out of love overnight. I mean, there's, there's these things, small increments of, of uh, neglect maybe, or again, I can't speak to it, but um, th there's a term, your love begins to wane. Have you heard that? It begins to wane. And what that means is it becomes weaker less vigorous, less, less extensive. And before you know it, you don't know how it happened, but you are miles apart. You're not communicating anymore. You're not, uh, you know, working on it anymore. And before you realize it, there's too much hurt. There's too much trust lost, whatever the situation was. And you, I, I, I don't understand this. When, when I see... I can't imagine loving anybody besides my wife. I don't know how I stop loving her and move that to somebody else. I don't know how that happens. But before you know it, this is, this is where you find yourself, and ultimately it, it, it fails, it falls apart. And for us today, we can look at it this way, is that true to the Lord and our relationship with him, it doesn't happen overnight. It's just when we begin to not do those things we used to do. And again, before we realize it, we are so far apart. I can tell you this. God didn't go anywhere. God has been there the whole time. It is you and I that allow ourselves to just drift. And I don't know why we do it. It's, it's human nature. I think that, that the Bible speaks about it all the time because we are prone to do just that. I used this verse in, in, a, in a sermon that I did back in January, but I feel it bears repeating and I feel it is so powerful because this not only tells us God is jealous for you, Exodus 34, 14 says this, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. That is intense and a powerful verse this morning. 
If you in a marriage have ever experienced neglect, I, I, I would dare say any of these things that we're talking about, don't do this, but try that in a marriage. It's not going to fly. When you begin to neglect, somebody's going to say, hey, you're, you're not giving me what I need here, or we're not communicating. You would call it right up front. And I can't say that God doesn't begin to throw little things in our path, but we begin to just walk down a road, and we're not even considering where we've just come from. And in marriage, maybe you've had this. I mean, je jealousy, Lynn gives me no reason to be jealous. That's just my idiotic thing that I do to myself. And I can tell you this, if you've ever had this, you ever have a dream about your spouse? Oh. I, I can sometimes, Lynn will come home and I can be in, I've been known to not be in the best mood. And she will say inevitably, what did I do in your dream? And I'll say, yeah. You were talking to this guy, and you, this guy liked you, and you weren't telling him you're married, like this whole stupid thing. I don't know how that gets in there. She gives me no reason to feel that way, but I dream it somehow. We've all experienced jealousy in some form or fashion, and you know you don't like it. You know you don't. I don't. And yet, here this God, this almighty God, it shows that he has a heart for you and for me. It shows that he's hurt by our neglect. And when we really realize everything God has done for us, how could we walk away from that? The Ephesians were doing it, and I believe this letter is written for us today because we are prone to it as well. Fortunately, as God does, and because he loves us so much and his grace is so amazing, it is him that has made the way for us to come back. It is him that has provided the way for those of us that might drift, for these Ephesians that have drifted away. He has made the way back. Revelation 2, 5 through 7 says this, Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So again, remember, repent, re return. I don't know if I did that in the right order there. God says, remember from where you have fallen. Don't you, I don't know if anybody remembers, because, again, I don't know everybody's salvation experience here today. Maybe you've been saved recently, maybe you were saved 20 years ago. Can anybody recall the day and remember what joy was brought into your life? You just knew that God had done something amazing in your life. You knew that you couldn't go back to your old life. And you just took this journey that God had placed before you all through his grace and love for you. It was, in lack of a better term, a honeymoon phase because you were on fire. I'm telling you, you, you couldn't, a, a, new, a new believer, you can't keep them quiet. They're telling everybody. They're telling people at work and they don't, you know, they haven't learned that you're not supposed to talk about that at work. No, they just, they just go for it and they, they love the Lord so much and God has done something so great that they can't do it. Folks, we need to be back at that place. 
in our relationship with the Lord. Remember all that he has done for us. Remember how great it was when all we had was this communion. And we can, the good thing is, is God has given us a way to recapture that. But it's going to come through, number two, repentance. And we can come and, and we can offer up our feeble attempts at excuses. And we do it. Lord, I'm sorry. And, and maybe it's part of the repentant process. But the truth is, we're wrong and we need to change and it needs to happen now. We need to get back into that, into that familiar area with the Lord. But it takes us to humble ourselves and say, Lord, please forgive me. I, you have done nothing. You have been my rock and stability and I... Lord, have drifted away. Forgive me. And if we will do those two things, it says to return. It means to do those things that we used to do. Again, when you're newly married, those little cards you write to one another, those are gone 20 years in. You're not writing those cards anymore. Hopefully you do something. Lynn, I don't know. I don't know if I give you anything. I don't know if I, <laughs> if I offer you anything, if I... That's where you really, after 20 years, you better learn the love language or you could be speaking the wrong language the whole time, buying gifts when that's not their thing or whatever. Um, but those simple things that you did when you were first married, you know, you want to recapture, you want to regain, you want to reconnect, and you go back and do those little things where you open your lunchbox and there was a note written on the napkin. Oh, you know, that was so precious. It doesn't happen nowadays, and that's okay. Um, I don't need that, Lynn. I don't need it today. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I shouldn't talk about marriage. I really shouldn't. But when we look at the things of God, really, look at, look at your life. I'm going to speak to myself. Look at your own life. We know how to busy our lives, don't we? We know how to fill it with every minute of the day. Every hour of the day has got something where we're running and we're doing and at the end of that, we'll give a little bit back to God if we don't fall asleep first. And the truth is, if we would return to simpler prayer and devotional time and worship of God, rather than carving him out a small piece of that busy day we've just come through and we're going to give him this little bit, God does not want to be second in your life. He didn't want to be second in the church in Ephesus, and in this church today, what will be said of us? What I'm not telling you is that your good deeds go unnoticed. They don't. God recognizes all that we do for his name's sake. But I want to tell you, in two weeks, if you give an offering to one day to feed the world, yet you have lost your love for the Lord, and you're, it means nothing. It means nothing. In the end, if we're doing all of this, and all of these things that we've busied our life with, they amount to nothing if God isn't first in our lives. He re, he, uh, John refers to the Nicolaitans, and it says that you, you've done good to, that you hate their deeds. The Nicolaitans were an evil people, and they, they had a, a belief that would compromise and water down Christianity. It was keeping one foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual world, and you could do both. You could live with sin because you had the spiritual side. And God said he hated those deeds. He didn't say he hated those people. 
But we do things too that I'm sure are displeasing to God. It doesn't mean he hates us, but he doesn't like. He hates those deeds in our lives just like he did in theirs. It also, you know, if you look at the Nicolaitans as well, they were, and you've heard this phrase many times, they were a stumbling block. They led people astray. And many times, if we're not careful, we who profess to be Christians can become that stumbling block to other believers, even non-believers, because we give them nothing lovely to want to be a part of. If they see us in miserable state, yet we're professing this, this Jesus Christ, we don't want to become that stumbling block. But we would all do well, and hear me, all do well this morning to hate what God hates and to love what God loves. And if you look across culture today, there are things God hates that we are permissible, that we are permitting, and we need to hate them like God hates them. Amen? In the book of Jeremiah, uh, I, I know this comes out of, of left field kind of, but this is God speaking to his people Israel. And again, I believe this speaks to us today. Jeremiah 2, 1 through 8, this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. He says, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Listen to this. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us to safety out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness and led a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death, where no one lives or even travels. And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. The priest didn't ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me, and the prophet spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Today, folks, what I want us to do is consider what will be said of us. We can point to the many good deeds here, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's an underlying thing here today. What I'm saying is, what will be said of you? What will be said of me? That yes, I, I, I gave, I served, I gave to special offerings, I did all of these things. Is there evidence of my first love? And that's where we need to be today. These are all, all of these things, again, all of our good deeds don't go unnoticed, and they're all necessary. They're all motivated for our love for the Lord today. But folks, if we're doing them all without putting him first, we become just like these Ephesians this morning, and we hurt the heart of God, who loves you so very much, so very much. So I do want to have the Holy Spirit, I want us to examine ourselves. There's a great song that Andre Crouch sang, you know it well maybe. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first 
believed because there was something special there that maybe over time has dwindled. And we need the Holy Spirit to once again rekindle that flame within us. Amen. Just as we would inevitably work on our marriage if it was suffering, if we knew we were hurting the other person and they brought that to our attention, we would work those things out. God is speaking to us today, to us. And if we're hearing his voice, if we're hearing the Holy Spirit's prompting, we need to make that right. I'll close with this story. There was a whaling ship in in, uh, 1775 called the Herald, and it was fishing off the coast of Greenland. When it spotted another ship off in the distance and when it got closer, it was revealed that although the ship was sailing, the sails were tattered and torn and just laying on the mast and, and nothing. So it was determined as the men boarded the ship that it was a ship known as Octavius that had been missing for 14 years. And as they boarded this ship to to see what was going on, they found all of the crew and captain frozen to death on this ship. And so for 14 years, the ship sailed, but no one was alive. And folks, the last thing we want to do is be going through the motions of Christianity without being alive with the love of God in our hearts. When our conversations to God are reduced to a need-to-know basis, and I'll inquire when I need something, when time spent in prayer is becoming more of a, a convenience on our part, when we found the time, we'll go to him in prayer. This scripture that we read from says to remember, repent, and return. Go back to those simple things. Micaiah, would you come this morning? Lastly, this morning, there's a a missionary uh, to India for 55 years. You may know Amy Carmichael, and she wrote many books. And she has this quote, God, hold us to that which drew us first when the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. Nothing but your cross, Lord. All of those other things I could do without. Lord, if I don't have your love, if I'm not putting you first, I have nothing. So today I'm going to invite you to stand today and you know what? If you, we're going to open these altars. If you come forward, nobody's thinking they must not be right with God. Listen, we're all in need of drawing closer to the Lord this morning. I have no doubt about that. So as Micaiah begins to sing this song, would you come so we can pray with you this morning that God would begin to draw you once again closer to him and that he would have your, your uh, first place in your heart this morning. Would you do that this morning? Just seek him. Father, thank you, God, for the opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that you do love us so much. And Lord, I'd be the first to say, forgive me, Lord God, if I've neglected you. Lord, that if I've become so busy, God, and, and so concerned with other things, Even the work of the church, we're not called to to be workers in the church. We're called to save people. Lord, and sometimes we can get all caught up in our own little thing and and create it into something it's never intended to be. God, when it's you that deserves first place in everything we do. Hallelujah, Lord. Will you sing that, Micaiah? Hallelujah.
ventured out and we've looked for it in other places, Lord God, let us realize today, Lord, that it's all fleeting. Lord, it's not going to amount to anything, Lord God, if we don't have your love, Lord. Let us desire you passionately this morning. Lord, when we look at the passion of Jesus Christ and your love for us, Lord, let us be able to return that in our worship of you, God, and asking you, Lord, to move on our behalf. Father, for those that have come forward this morning, God, just to, just to draw closer to you. Lord, for those of us today that just need a, a rekindling, Lord, that your Holy Spirit right now would move upon our hearts. And Lord, rather than it just be a history lesson on the Ephesians and the church in Ephesus, we would look in the reflection of the mirror in our lives, God, and ask, what would be said of me? Lord, have I, have I done these things? Am I guilty of this? And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Thank you, Lord God, if we would just remember, repent, and return to those things we used to do, Lord God. Lord, you won't, you won't fail us, Lord God. You'll welcome us back, Lord. But Lord, just the fact that we know that we've drifted, Lord God, we see that that's something possible even in our Christian walk, God. Draw us back, we pray. Hallelujah. We give you the praise and honor. Before we close today, if we can sing that chorus one time all I want. Let's sing it. You're all I want. 
cleanse us, Lord God, and Lord, you lovingly welcome us back, Lord God, if we'll just repent of it. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, Lord God. Thank you that your word is still speaking today. Lord, you're not a worthless idol, Lord, one that can't do anything, Lord God. You are the almighty, powerful God. All gods will bow their knee to you, Lord, today. And Lord, I pray that you would just move on our behalf, Lord, as we go our separate ways, that you would walk with us, Lord God. Lord, you told us in Revelation that you would remove yourself from walking amongst that lampstand, Lord God. Lord, may we never, never drift so far, Lord God. Be with us, we pray. Go with us now, we ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Praise God.